Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Go Church, it is so good to be here with you this morning. Before I get started, I am going to give credit where credit is due. Pastor Nick, Becky, thank you for having me on this team. It's been an incredible journey. I love getting to serve with you, get to serve with the rest of the team. It truly is an honor to get to do this. So thank you. Guys, I am fired up about today. I'm not a coffee person, but like Nick said, I like Red Bull. I've had my Red Bull this morning. So we are gonna get started. We're gonna get after this. Like Nick said, uh, I serve here. I serve with Go Youth every Wednesday night. I have a great time getting to do that. We have an incredible team of volunteers that is also here pouring into the youth that come to Go Church. We call it the best night of the week. So I love getting to be a part of that. If you have students that aren't coming, we'd love to see them on Wednesdays at Go Youth. Another thing that I love that I get to do is serve with the tech team here at Go Church. All of the people running cameras behind the scene, running sound that you may not see that make all of this possible. I get to serve with them. So thank you, every single one of you that is on the tech team serving today, that this isn't the week you're serving. I love getting to serve with you. And guys, please make me look good today. That is, that's my only request. That's it. So you're going to learn some facts about me today. The first one is this. I was born on November 6th, 1994. So that makes today my birthday. I'm 28 years old today. Thank you. Thank you. I am excited about my birthday. I love my birthday. And this one is special because it's, we have some family in town this weekend that I'm excited about. My mom and dad are here from Georgia. It's nice to have them here. We don't get to see them too often. So it's really nice to have them here, especially on my birthday, get to spend time with them. We also have Hannah's mom. Hannah's sister was here yesterday hanging out with us. They're from South Carolina. So we don't get to see them too much either. We love having you guys. Thank you for being here. And last but not least, one of our best friends, Nicole, is here this weekend, too. So it's just been a party. It's been a party. I'm excited. But I would love to think that all of these people are here for just for my birthday, to celebrate me. <laughs> I think Hannah and I would love to think that they're just here to see us and hang out with us and spend time with us. But that is not the case. Yesterday, we had our baby shower. Hannah is 32 weeks pregnant this week. So here's a fun, fun picture of us. Yes. So Hannah is 32 weeks pregnant. That means our time is dwindling down. We're going to have a baby soon. And here's another fun fact about me. I am an only child. I'm an only grandchild. Now, you might be thinking, how was that? It was great. <laughs> it was great. I didn't have to share anything. All of the attention was mine, all of the toys were mine, all of the activities were mine, and I really enjoyed that. And now if like maybe you come over, you see a book or something at our house and you wanna borrow that, the answer's no. <laughs> it's gonna be no. I'm kidding, kind of, slightly. But I'm an only child, so that means I haven't spent a lot of time around babies. I haven't, there's no like, nieces or nephews or anything on either side that I've gotten to be close to, to spend time around babies to learn anything. So these last six months, I've had to put in some work. I've learned some things. I've learned as much as I can about how to like baby-proof a home, all the things that we need, all of the things that we need. And what 
I've learned about this when I'm like researching something, trying to figure it out, is that the house is divided on most baby topics. Most things, not, and I'm not even talking about like some of these big decisions that have to be made. I'm talking about the small things, all of the different things you need there. Some people think it's right, some people think it's wrong, and I'm just trying to figure out like how to keep my baby safe and have the things that he's going to need. So I've been doing some research, trying to figure it out, trying to see what we're gonna do. I was on Facebook the other day, an article comes up and it's talking about like, this is the onesie that you need. It's this one. And it had some kind of like zipper on it that goes across and they were talking about how like, this is zipper so the baby can't like take it off during the middle of the night, all of these things. It's easy to do and I was like, well, all right, cool, learn something, great, zippers. But then it's Facebook, so you've got to check the credibility. And the only way to do that is to read the comments, because that's where all of the smartest people are putting their stuff is in the comments on Facebook. <laughs> so I go to the comments, and you know, there's some comments of like, I've bought this, yes, it's great, but then there's some comments that are like, you use a onesie with a zipper on it for your baby? Do you even know how dangerous that is if there's nothing under it? Like the metal zipper could do something to their skin. Stuff could get caught in it when you zip it up. Like do not use this onesie. And now I'm just a little confused. And so I click on, I'm like, well, what are people saying back? And they're just going back and forth with each other, arguing about a onesie. And I, I did not think this was something that people would get offended by, but uh, apparently it is. And you just take that and you stretch it across any baby thing. That's been my experience. It kind of just blows my mind how easily people are getting offended about some of the smallest, smallest things. Now, I have a question for you guys. Do not raise your hands. I'm not trying to start any arguments, nothing. But think about this. Do you know somebody who gets easily offended? Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. Maybe, here's another question, maybe you're the person that gets easily offended. You see something that you don't like. You hear something in the news and you just like, get this frustration that happens inside of you. And maybe, maybe if when I said that, that started to happen, maybe I'm right, maybe. I like to think of myself as somebody who doesn't really get easily offended. I like to think that things just they, they don't bother me. If you were to say something about Hannah, or maybe one day somebody says something about our son, maybe that would get me fired up. That would get me offended. But I'm not easily offended. Unless maybe you say something about like my opinions, or you criticize my work, or something like that. That, that might get me offended too. But not, come on, not easily offended. That's obviously a big deal. Or maybe you just like, you don't like my choices about something. You don't like my incredible outfit. Maybe, maybe that would get me offended, but I promise, like all of you, I'm not easily offended. I'm not, right? So in this series that we're starting today, we're starting a series called No Offense. I will forewarn you, in this series, you may get offended. I might get offended putting this together for today. I wasn't happy with all of the things I had to say because it's reflecting into my life of what I do when I feel offended. So we're gonna look at a few things through this next month of how we can adjust our lives, how we can shift, change things in our life to feel less offended, to feel less angry. 
So let's jump into this today. We're going to look at a Bible verse in the book of James. This is a popular Bible verse. You may have heard it. It's going to be up on the screen behind me. It says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Here at Go Church, part of our mission is that we believe that we should live like Jesus. And this is something that Jesus has, and it's adopted into his life. Jesus was slow to speak and quick to listen. Some fun facts that you may not have heard before about from the Bible. Jesus was asked 183 questions directly. That means somebody had his attention and they were able to ask him something. Out of those 183 questions, he only answered three of them back directly. Only three. Because he's making sure he hears these people. He's making sure he understands their perspective. He wants to know where they're coming from. And to the 180 questions that he didn't answer directly, he actually in turn asked 307 questions to other people. He wanted to see their perspective. He wanted to know where they were coming from with the questions they were asking. If we look at the next part of this verse, it talks about being slow to anger. This was definitely something that Jesus embodied all of the time. But when I think about this idea of being slow to anger, I start thinking about the things that make me angry. And I feel like over time, those things, those offenses, the things that would bug me, that would frustrate me, that they've changed. Offenses used to just be something like, uh, like Nick said, I like, to, I like to watch sports. I love sports. And maybe like a small, uh, an offense would have been somebody is coming, like maybe we're having a Super Bowl party or something, and that person, you know who I'm talking about, that person shows up that knows nothing about <laughs> the Super Bowl. They don't know who's playing, they don't know where it's at, they don't know what's going on, they know there's a song in the middle, and that's it. And if somebody were to do that and be at one of these Super Bowl parties that I'm at, if they're trying to ask me questions during this, I don't have time for that. Like, that is huge offense. Don't do it. If you keep talking to me, I'm going to get frustrated. Also, I like to watch Formula One, so kind of a, a worse offense would be something that happened to me recently. We invited our incredible friends, Corbin and Caroline, over to watch a Formula One race with us. Now, Corbin and I, we love to watch Formula One. But at this point in time, Hannah and Caroline didn't really care about it. So it wasn't even that they were asking us questions. They were sitting next to us talking about something else. I don't even know what it was, but we're just trying to sit here, watch the race. I've got the remote in my hand, turn it up. All you can hear is race car sounds at this point in time in our house because I am angry about this. Please stop talking. Do not talk during sports. We're here to watch sports. That's something that might have offended me. I really believe if you're the kind of person that talks during sports, God will judge you for that. <laughs> I believe he will. <laughs> but over time, these offenses have changed. Stuff like that, stuff that doesn't really matter, that's what we would get offended by. But especially since COVID, it seems like the stuff that people talk about, the, pe the things that offend us has changed a lot. 
During COVID, it was all about who's doing what with masks, who's doing what with vaccines, and now we're talking about, well, the economy looked like this two years ago, now it looks like this, and we're just angry about the differences that are happening. We're angry about it. Then we get angry about, on Tuesday, who's gonna make the right decision, who's gonna vote for who, what new laws are gonna go into place, and we're gonna wait and see what happens so that we can respond if it didn't go our way. Everybody now picks their offense. It's not just smaller things. We have our thing that makes us angry. And the next progression of that is, if you're not angry about the thing that I'm angry about, then I'm angry at you for that. You should be fired up about my thing too. Then we get this newer progression, this idea that some people just like this. Some people like to be angry. And it's not that they like the thing that they're angry about. That's not true at all. They have this passion about it, but they like the feeling they get. They like to be right. They feel justified. They feel superior over people because they're right and the other person is wrong. And I feel like when we have this attitude about stuff like this, it starts to change our heart, our actions, the things that we do those things aren't pleasing to God. That leads us to our one big thing for today. You'll find this on your communication card. You can write this down. Our one big thing today is this. My anger is not effective. My anger is not effective. We're going to look back at this verse that we read earlier in James, and we're going to add another verse to that. In James, he wrote, like we, like we read earlier, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And then he adds this in verse 20. Let's not miss this. He says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. No matter what makes us angry, whether it's a small offense or a big offense, if our response to that comes from our own human nature, that's not something that is pleasing to God. Now, you might be saying, yes, Thomas, I hear that. The way I should be, the way I should respond, the attitude I should have about things shouldn't be from a place of anger. Got it. But I'm angry about the things that God's angry about. I have this righteous anger where I'm angry at the sins that God isn't pleased by. I hear that. I think my response to that, what I tend to see when people are talking about this though, is that's almost always somebody else's sin that they're talking about. It's not a righteous anger, it's this self-righteous anger. We talked about this last week. Pastor Nick was talking about this idea that we're quick to point out the speck in somebody else's eye, but we're missing these massive two-by-fours that are coming out of ours. We'll point out somebody else's foul language, but we're quick to just ignore our own pride. We'll point out somebody else's addiction, somebody else's problems, but we'll ignore our own gluttony. Are you offended yet? We like to think that our anger is justified because it's our anger. There's a story in the Bible 
a religious expert has the chance to talk to Jesus. This is one of these 183 questions that Jesus gets asked. And this is actually one of the three questions Jesus replies to directly. And I think this quick response, this direct response, means this is probably something that we should take hold of in our own lives. This religious expert, he knows everything about what we now use as the Old Testament, all of these laws that, and traditions people are supposed to follow. And he comes to Jesus, he has his attention, and he asks him, Jesus, out of everything, what is the greatest commandment? And like I said, Jesus answers him directly, and this is what he says. This is in Matthew 22. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's important to love God with everything, and one of the ways that we can do this, one of the best ways that we can do this is to love his people. And something that I've learned is we don't have to be angry to do this. God hasn't called us to be right. He wants us to be loving. He wants us to have empathy for people. This is something that I've experienced firsthand that had an impact on me. I, uh, another fun fact about me my mouth got me in trouble a lot when I was younger. Still kind of does, but a lot when I was younger. And there's this one instance where I was working at a church in, in Georgia, and we were getting ready for a, an event. We had this like big service that we were going to do, and I worked in the production department. So I'm there early. I'm making sure that we have all of our lightings ready to go, our video cues, our ready to go before the rehearsal for this event. And before the rehearsal happens, my supervisor is coming in to look at it. His name is Eric. And Eric wants to just walk through and see, like, what are we've done, make sure everything is right, make sure everything is ready for the service. Now, we start going through stuff, it's going good, but then all of a sudden he, he wants to stop. He said, hey, let's look at that again. I'm like, okay, that's fine, like, let's, let's look at it again. We look at it one more time, we run some, some of these cues, and Eric stops, and he's like, hey, let's, let's change this. I think we could do this. I think it could be better. And my response to that was, yeah, it's always got to go your way, doesn't it? And he says, what? <laughs> now, a smart person would have said, would have been like, oh, no, nothing, nothing. Don't worry about that. Sorry. No, not me. I doubled down on this statement. I just went on and on and on about how things are always his way. He never likes the stuff that we do. And it, it got pretty rough. It was in front of other people too, other team members. Like, I, I really don't know where this came from. It ended kind of awkwardly. And a couple days went by and I get a call in for a conversation. And I sit down with Eric. He says he's talked to our pastor and the pastor's recommendation was to write me up was to put an actual reprimand into place about what had happened. But he sits down with me and he says, this is what I could do. He probably could have fired me too, if he wanted to. But he said, I'm not going to do any of that. He says, you and I, we, we have worked really well together. I didn't know that this is how you felt and moving forward. Let's just talk about this. 
Like we work well together, let's do what we can to always put our best foot forward. He had every right to do those other things. He had every right to write me up, he had every right to fire me, but instead, he decided to show the love of God to me instead, and doing that was literally, could have been career altering for me, could have been life changing. It could, having that attached to me as a way to lose a job could have le- led to things that made it to where I'm not here today. So I'm thankful that somebody in my life chose not to exercise their right, but showed, decided to show me love. Hearts are hardly ever changed by anger. They're changed by showing up for people, by extending a hand, by showing empathy. That's how we can make a true change. So what can we do? How can we get this into our lives? There's two big actions that we're going to look at today. The first one is this. It's on your communication card. You can write this down. The first way to let go of anger is to see beyond people's shortcomings and recognize their potential. To see beyond people's shortcomings and recognize their potential. In Timothy, he's writing about people in the end times, but I think it's an interesting look into what can be expected from people in general. He says, people will be lovers of themselves, ouch, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and we're upset when people don't text us back right? We shouldn't be shocked by what people are going to do. People are always going to let us down at some point in time. I'm going to let people down. You're going to let people down. But if we're living like Jesus, we're living this life where we are looking past those shortcomings and we're choosing to see potential. We're talking about this idea of living like Jesus. This is another thing that he embodied. There's a story in the Bible where he runs into a woman at a well. And they're there. Jesus asks for a drink of water. And through conversation, it comes up that this woman has been married five times. The person she's living with now, she isn't married to. He's not her husband. And Jesus' response wasn't, oh, man, that's not good. He doesn't try to correct her. He doesn't try to condemn her. But instead, he says, let me give you living water. He wasn't worried about her sin. He wanted to make a difference in her life. So he gave her something that she needed. If we live like Jesus, that's how we lead. We have to always lead with empathy and love. Another example would be to take a look at Jesus' disciples. He had these 12 guys that followed him around everywhere, had seen all of these things. Jesus spent all of this time like pouring into them, teaching them, showing them things. And there's this one story where they're sitting there and they're trying to like rank themselves. Who's the greatest disciple? Who's going to be the number one pick? What's this going to look like? If I was Jesus and I overheard this conversation, I would be like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? Do you not remember the things that I've taught you? Do you not remember all of the miracles that I've performed, all the things that you've seen? What are you doing? But Jesus doesn't respond this way. When he needed to correct them or teach them something, he would, but then he always would pour into them, would teach them, would continue to show them things because he didn't have to be right. He wanted to lead with love. 
Take a look at Peter. Peter's one of Jesus's like innermost, closest disciples, one of his best friends. But when Jesus probably needed Peter's support the most, Peter lied. He stabbed Jesus in the back. He betrayed him. And how did Jesus respond to this? Jesus didn't quit going to a small group. Jesus didn't get on Facebook and talk about how much he doesn't like Peter. He comes back to Peter. He has a conversation with Peter, and the outcome of this conversation is giving him an assignment. He's not trying to take anything away from Peter. He's not trying to be right. He's not focusing on Peter's shortcomings. He sees this potential and says, feed my sheep, build my church, take care of people who need it. If we want to live like Jesus, if we want to lower our anger, we have to look beyond people's shortcomings and start recognizing their potential. The second thing that we need to do to lower, to let go of our anger is to recognize our need for God. We need to recognize our need for God. Quick poll, raise your hand in here if you've never sinned. Never lied, never cheated, never messed up never needed God's grace, right? It's all of us. The Bible talks about that we have all sinned, we've all fallen short, and the wages of this sin is death. And the only thing, the only way we can be reconciled in that is through Christ. In Ephesians, Paul says it this way. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. There's nothing that we can do. There's not a house big enough. There's not an amount of money that's great enough. There's not a position that is high enough that can reconcile us, that can bring us back into the love of God. It's only, only through God's grace. There's a story, it's in the book of John, chapter eight, where a group of people, a group of religious people, they've caught a man and a woman in the act of adultery. And they bring this woman to Jesus. They get Jesus' attention and they say, the law says, the rules say, the right that we have is that she should be stoned. That's what we can do, Jesus. What do you say we should do? And Jesus' response is not to lash out. He gets, he kneels down in the sand and he just starts writing. And they say, Jesus, what should we do? He stands up. He looks at these men that are standing there holding these stones. And he says, whoever is without sin can cast the first stone. He didn't tell them not to do it. He told them the requirements to be the one to throw a stone. And then he just gets back down and continues to write. We don't know what he is writing on the ground for sure, but tradition would tell us that he might have been writing down the sins of the people that were there trying to condemn this woman. And one by one, as Jesus is riding in the sand, these men, they just start to walk away. Jesus looks at this woman and he says, where are your accusers? Did any one of them condemn you? She says, no, Lord. He says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, when I left my house today, when I was getting ready to be here today, I made sure I had my bag, made sure I had my wallet and my keys, and I couldn't leave home without my stone. 
Some of us, we pick up our stone every single morning. We have it with us. It weighs us down. We can feel it, but we do it because we like to hold the stone. We like to be the one that is ready to go. I have this. I may not use it, but I like to know that I can. When I was in college, I was in a relationship with somebody. This was a long relationship. We'd been together for about three years. And at the end of this, or towards the end of this three-year relationship, I found out that they had lied to me. They had gone behind my back and they cheated on me. And finding all of this out, that really, really messed with me. I started to put up all of these walls. I wouldn't get close to people and not just like romantic relationships. I didn't want to like be too close to just friends in general. And the idea of maybe somebody not being my friend one day or or moving away, all of these things just gave me this anxiety to not make me want to be close to people anymore. And the reason what I blamed it on was because what had happened to me You're not supposed to cheat on somebody. You're not supposed to go behind somebody's back. You did this to me. I'm gonna remember it, I'm gonna hold on to this. When I ever need it, I can pull this out because I'm justified in what I do. I'm not wrong, I'm not wrong in these relationships the way I'm acting. I have this stone ready to go. About three more years went by and I spent this whole time just kind of guarded and blaming this person for what was happening in my life at that point. But I was in a small group and we were working through this idea of freedom and what that could look like, what it could look like to live in true freedom. And as I'm going through that, I just felt this this tug on my heart that, hey, it's, it's time to do something about this. It's time to stop blaming what's happening now on this person, what happened three years ago. And it just kept coming up. I couldn't escape this feeling, so I decided it was time to do something about it. I decided I would lean in, that I would trust God. So I called this person, and we had a conversation, and I I wasn't trying to like reopen and revisit all these things and tell them what they did wrong, but I did tell them the truth of how I was being for the last three years. I told them that I was sorry for blaming them for these things, that they didn't even, they didn't even know what's happening. And I don't know if they fully understood it, like what was going on, but for me it was this, this act of letting go. I wasn't gonna hold on to this stone any longer. It had been weighing me down for too long. Instead of holding it, it's time to do this. And let go of it. And when I did this, it just opened up freedom in my life, I decided to trust God and lean into Him and let Him worry about things. Instead of reacting from my human nature, I leaned in to Him. And then shortly after this is when Hannah and I, we started talking again, we were together again, and who knows what would have happened with that relationship if I was still holding on to this stone? Would it look like it does now? Who knows? But the freedom I found from letting go of this anger opened me up to be in true relationship, be in true relationship with God, with people, change the way that I see circumstances. See, 
I don't want to minimize anything that anyone in this room has gone through. Nothing. Some of you may have had small offenses that have happened to you. Some of you might have experienced something that you would consider a bigger thing. Maybe somebody directly hurt you. Maybe somebody lied and cheated on you. Maybe somebody has hurt your children. These are all real things. But if we hold on to these things, if we say, this is my right to hold on to this stone, it's just going to lead to anger. It's going to lead to bitterness. It's going to start affecting every single area of our life. So today I want us to decide this simple thing. Do we just want to prove a point? Or do we want to make a difference? Do we want to stop being right? Want to stop trying to win arguments? And do we want to start winning people to the love of Jesus? When you sat down today, everybody had a stone in their seat. If you could just grab that stone real quick. This week, I want you to hold on to this stone. Don't just put it somewhere where you can see it. If you can, like, try to keep it with you. Keep it on your person so you can feel it all the time. This symbolizes this idea that you're carrying something around and it's always there. You can always feel it. It's always ready to go. What we're all going to do this week is we're going to ask God to show us the things that we're holding on to offense-wise. Show us the things that make us angry and the things that we need to let go of. And then what I would challenge you to do is on Saturday, hopefully before you come back here, on Saturday, to take that stone, whatever it symbolizes, and just throw it away. And let that be this act of saying, God, I trust you with my future. I trust you with what's gonna happen. I'm not gonna hold on to this stone anymore. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for choosing to love us. Thank you for this power, this overwhelming power that you have to change our hearts. I pray that you would start to work on all of us and show us these areas of offense that we're holding on to. Show us the things that are happening in our life that we need to just open our hands and let go of. Now, if you're here today and you're hearing all of this and you're wondering, well, how, how do I do that? What does this look like? Our second action was today, today was to recognize our need for God. He's the only one that can reconcile us, that can bring us back into his love. This is the good news. This is the gospel that Jesus came to this earth for us while we were still sinners. He chose to love us. No matter what we had done, he came here for you. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted in every single way that you have been tempted and will be tempted, but he came here and he did it without sin for you. He was perfect and blameless. And they put him on a cross. They nailed him to this cross. He had done nothing to deserve this, but the whole time all he's thinking about is you and how much he loves you and cares for you. 
He died on that cross. They took him off of this cross. They put him in a tomb. He was there for three days. But on that third day, he rose again. And if you want to make him the Lord and the leader of your life today, all you have to do is this. All you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again. And the Bible says you will be saved. If you would like to do that today, if you would like to make Jesus the leader of your life, in a second I'm going to pray a prayer. All you have to do is repeat after me. So if that's you, get ready. I'm going to ask that everybody in this room is going to pray this prayer out loud as well so that anybody praying this for the first time does not feel alone. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. I make you the Lord and the leader of my life. I will live for you from this day forward. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.